Hello, this is Greg Pock, and you're listening to the Pockcast. A few months ago, I ran a Kickstarter for a digital book of Kickstarter advice called Kickstarter Secrets, which is slated for release at the end of the month. You can pre-order it right now at kickstarter-secrets.com. As stretch goals for that book, I interviewed a number of amazing Kickstarter creators. Now I'm running those interviews as a podcast series right here on the podcast. Today's interview is with Jimmy Palmiotti, who's literally done everything in comics. He's currently writing Harley Quinn for DC with Amanda Connor and is one of the first mainstream comics creators to embrace Kickstarter in a big way. Jimmy's got great thoughts about the value of doing creator-owned work, how the personal touch makes Kickstarters work, and plenty of nitty-gritty about everything from making effective videos to picking smart rewards to shipping all those dang books. You can find Jimmy at jpalmiotti, J-P-A-L-M-I-O-T-T-I on Twitter and at paperfilms.com. Here we go. Jimmy, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, I really appreciate it, and um, I'm really excited to pick your brain because you are uh, one of the guys who, um, I feel like you're one of the people who first started using Kickstarter in the comics community. I mean, you've been doing it. You're, you're one of the first, uh, in particular, one of the first comics, uh, established comics professionals I ever heard of who, uh, who was doing Kickstarter projects, um, and, uh, and you've kept doing it. I mean, this is what I find... Very interesting. You're one of the folks who has found a way to keep making Kickstarter projects sort of an ongoing part of your business. And so I wanted to pick your brain about all this kind of good stuff. Absolutely. Uh, I guess the first question is, what got you into Kickstarter at the very beginning? I, it was uh, Queen Crab was your first project. Am I right? Yeah, it was, it was my first. Um, you know, I, I, um, I read an article about it when it first came out, you know, and I'm like, oh, that's pretty interesting. You know, and past the article, I looked at it and I said, you know, the most interesting part is, for me, has always been the idea that I can sell my work directly to people. I, you know, I love working for DC and I, I enjoy working for Marvel and all these other companies. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm always sitting there and, um, you know, I lose, well, you know, let's just say... Um, I don't own my properties or I own a piece of them. Even owning a piece of them these days is a problem for me, you know? Right. Um, and I just thought, well, this seems like a really grassroots way of connecting not only with my audience, but the idea of they actually have a say in what I'm doing. So if they don't support it, they're kind of telling me, you know, that sucks, you know? And, um, you know, and, and that, I thought was really interesting. The idea that I, you know, right away I'd find out if something's interesting or not based on how they were backing it. And, uh, you know, my, the thing with paper films is that my site is that it's all about creating stuff that I own. And especially now, you know, I'm looking back now, 15 years later since I've been doing, well, actually 20, geez, I don't even want to think about it. All right. Since 95, been doing creator own here and there and, Creator shared, and I wish I never did the creator share stuff. Even today, even the latest ones, I have regrets because I realize that no matter what I do, they they just don't have the passion. The people behind it just don't have the passion that I do. You know, they just don't have anything at stake, or they kind of blow it off, or they don't know how to do business. They don't haven't learned the business the way I have. So with Kickstart, I said, well, this is a way I could actually. Put a, put a project together, pitch it to the people who buy my work, and then if, see if it sinks or swims, see if it's something they're interested in or not. And 
sure, a lot of the work would be on me, but I don't have to deal with distribution. I don't have to deal with, uh, um, it's pretty, pretty much a control thing, right? So I don't have to deal with a company telling me, well, the rights to your product come back six years from now, or we don't like this kind of genre, so we don't want you to tell that kind of story. We need you to tell this kind of story, and, and so on and so forth. And uh, that's the stuff that's motivated me to kind of go with Kickstarter as well, to also connect with my audience. I, there's a there's only like a couple of thousand people that support my Kickstarters. Mm-hmm. And when I travel, I actually meet a lot of them. And yeah. it's nothing cooler than putting a face to the people that support you and being able to tell them to their face how important it is to you. Yeah. So Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, I found that so much. When I go to cons, uh, uh, I, I meet so many. I mean, of course, there are tons of people who come because of the work for hire stuff I've done. But sure. tons of people come because of those Kickstarter projects. And yeah. uh, that's, I mean, that's always very special. Um, tell me a little something like I've one just kind of studying your uh, your your Kickstarters and having backed several of them in the past. Um, I have noticed that you always you're you're able to do pretty much full length graphic novels like sixty to hundred pages for <laughs> pretty low budgets. Like your ask is not extreme. Like I'm just looking at Queen Crab, which as I recall was like an eighty page book, um, and. It- yeah, it was a little shorter, but it was uh, it was a hardcover though. Yeah, and you only asked for like ten grand, right? Or or even yeah, that <laughs> that was my first Kickstarter. I probably should have asked for more money on it, um, <laughs> but I had a deal in place with Image at the time, so Image was able to print the book for me and solicit it after the Kickstarter. So uh, the people who got the Kickstarter edition got a signed book, they got prints, they got all this special stuff. And then eventually it came out through Image, and we were able to sort of balance out the books, so it wound up me not losing any money. Although, yeah, although that one, you know, came very close. To, if 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 uh, if I have to say anything, by the time it was said and done, I probably made a couple hundred bucks on it. Right. It wasn't. It wasn't about money, you know, and it never is with these things. It's always about being able to put out my my stories, get my stories out there. Now you, uh, uh, so um, you only had 218 backers on that. I mean, which is fantastic, but like it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like you had 2,000 backers that you had to mail stuff out to. So did no. you, did you do all of, did you mail that out just in-house? Did you do that? Yourself? Yeah, actually um, the first one all the way to the newest one, uh, it's, all, it's still all me. I have help from my friend Patrick who uh, helps me mail the stuff out. He's a, he's a guy that runs the paper film site. He's one of my best friends. Um, but no, it's still, if it's a 200 packages or 2,000, it's still me and Patrick uh, putting them in the envelopes, making the labels, bringing them to the post office. Um, we still do it all ourselves. You know, we get offers from these companies to package them for you, but it doesn't make any sense for me because it's like, so they're buying it for me, um, you know, why would I ship it out and have it to, you know, look, I know it takes time, but I think part of it is the appeal is the, the actual interaction that I'm actually doing it. And, you know, I see some familiar names and I write notes in them and, you know, a little hello or a yeah, little, hey, I, thanks, I, thanks again, you know, I, I recall getting that. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, so I, I don't really use the services, you know, some people do. Um, I think chaos maybe uses it because they have tons of people and, you know, Certain guys use it, but I, it's sort of like, to me, it's sort of like um, cheapens out my Kickstarter. It, it becomes more of a business and less of a personal thing. Right. You know, one day if I do something where I get a million orders, yeah, then holy.
you know, I'll, I'll, I'll have to pay for it and everything. But it's always been like, even the last couple, it's always been a thousand or 2000 people. And thank God, a lot of them are digital. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, so those are easy to send out. Um, the ones with packages, you know, uh, I just, I just still do it myself and queen crab. I didn't sell a ton of them, you know, cause it was a new thing. And I had a little pushback from people saying, you know, well, you're, you know, you're an established guy. Why would you do this? You know? And, um, you know, so there were people that understood people who didn't understand. And then there was the other guys like you and, uh, a whole bunch of other guys who said, oh yeah, look, this, this works. Let me, let me give it a shot. Yeah. You know, um, you know, you're not the enemy of the state or whatever, but I think a lot of people don't understand that in this business, we have to hustle constantly. Um, comic people are not rich. Okay. There are a couple of rich comic people, but comic people basically are not rich. They have to hustle for every book. They have to, uh, you know, they have to kind of every day, Greg, right? Every day. Yeah. yeah. You hope the phone rings and somebody offers you something cool, you know? You sweat bullets when you turn down a, a work-for-hire job, you know? Oh, and I, have, and I have to all the time because of timing. Yeah. You know, because the worst thing to do is to screw somebody. Oh, yeah. With a deadline. So, uh, um, so it's a complete hustle. And also for me, I want to own my stuff. I want to own it. It goes beyond. People say, oh, because you can go to Hollywood. I said, no, it goes beyond that. It, it, so I can reformat it so I can put it out so I can, I can, yeah, I can own licenses if I want. And yeah, if someday some guy says, Hey, I can make a movie out of that. We'll go for it. Yeah. You know, I own it. I, I can't tell you how many properties I have that created that other people make or other people, you know, whatever. You know, th there's a whole, there's a whole world of opportunity there that leaves us when we don't own our properties. Right. And, um, you know, it's like I said, this is just one part of Kickstarter. So do you sell your books at cons? Like when you go to cons, do you bring your Kickstarter books and, and sell them at your table and stuff? I don't. Um, it, once in a while, I'll have three or four copies of something and I'll bring it to a show. But I almost print to order. Gotcha. Um, I add 10% because we have a lot of damages that happen in the mail and yep. things get lost. Um, and then once in a while, on a rare occasion, I'll bring the books. If it's local, I bring them. My books are heavy. And, um, you know, I, I, the, the thing about my Kickstarter group is I'm giving them something that's exclusive. So I don't always sell them at shows. I should, and maybe one day I might. But honestly, the, carrying them and paying for the shipping, Yeah. And by the time I'm done, I don't make any money. So. Right. I, so what I do is I have the paperfilms.com site and I sell whatever we got left, we sell there. It's not many. I, honestly, I, on the site I have on some of the books, I only have like five or six. Gotcha. Um, and, you know, but I always sell the uh, digital. The digital's forever, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I'm not in the business to, to sell books at cons. Actually, that's, to me, it's it's a lot of work. Yeah, um, I know you have books, right? You have yeah, books. So yeah. I mean, the, it's a pain in the ass, isn't it? Yes, but it's it, it's it's actually one of the. I, I didn't used to do that many cons. Um, uh, you know, I, well, back when I first started as a writer, I was like, "What am I doing at the con?" You know, I mean, I'm there, I'm signing. That's great, but I, you know, I and you know, particularly when I was starting off, I'd spend a lot of time sitting there, and I had, and I'm surrounded by artists who are drawing or selling stuff, and I I didn't, you know, I, I would feel kind of. Dopey, you know what I mean? Um, 
But then after I started doing these Kickstarters, I, I ended up with a lot of, you know, I had, I had, I had creator own stuff to sell and people bought them, you know? So I, I, uh, I, and, and I've, I've done a lot more cons as a result. Uh, well, you're infinitely have more energy than me. I'm an old man. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, honestly, I figure I've got about, you know, five to 10 years left of doing that kind of stuff at cons. You know what I mean? Like right. it is, it is a, a lot to take a bunch of books. I mean, right. I'm lucky also because I've got these kids books and so it's kind of counter-programming. When I right. show up with uh, kids' books in Artist Alley, particularly The Princess Who Saved Herself, um, yes. it almost sells itself. You know, people see the banner, they stop. You know, there are tons of people who bring little kids to cons, and there's not necessarily a lot for them to, to pick up. And then they see this, right. and they're like, hey, that looks like fun. Uh, and, uh, you know, so that, that, that it's, yeah, selling, selling those at cons has been great for me. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 and I, and I admire that you do that. And, you know, I see like Terry Moore brings his whole setup and everything, but I, uh, I'm lazy. And, um, <laughs> I'm lazy when it comes to that. I'm yeah, not, la well, I'm not a lazy person, yeah. um, but it, it definitely, cause I'm in Florida. So I have to ship things in boxes and yep, yep. It, it's expensive. And, and, um, and then I have to watch the booth. If I get up in the booth, then I have nobody to watch the booth. Right. So you, you have all these weird problems because I do cons and they put me on panels yeah. um, constantly. Yep. Some days I have three panels in one day. So, um, so I don't do it. The other thing is I, I really want to cut down on the cons because right now with Harley, it's bi-weekly mm -hmm. and, oh, yeah. and I'm working on two other books that I can't talk about yet that, I don't have any time, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. So when I so the Kickstarters are great because I can do them here and I do them in my house. And I have an office in a comic shop called Emerald City in Clearwater, and uh, that's my shipping place. So when, oh, whenever yeah. stuff comes in, they deliver it. They deliver it to the uh, to the store for me instead of my house. I used to have them all over my living room, and then um, and then you know people were people in my house, Amanda, weren't. Uh, <laughs> crazy about having all this stuff everywhere she was totally cool with it but i'm i know she it, it was just stuff everywhere you know right it can take, it can over. take over yeah um, it can take over so uh back to the shipping bit so when you ship do you use uh indicia or do you use any of those the shipping software to to print your labels yeah. and all that yeah i use yeah i use indicia right i use that in the the stamp program and um and then i take them in bulk i take them to the post office and back my car up to the back of the post office <laughs> And I hand them, you know, two, three hundred packages at a time and they roll their eyes at me. But um, but it's my local post office. Right. So um, they're really great people. And I, you know, I do things every once in a while. Every time Kickstarter does, I, I kind of put my credit card across the street and let the post office have lunch on me. Oh, you know? right. I know they have to do stuff. It's just above and beyond me. But it goes a long way being nice to people and we're um, treating them like people, um, you know. But yeah, it's 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 a big it's a big mess, you know. <laughs> um, it takes them the last one because I think it was like over a thousand packages took me around a month. The hype book took me around a month because I finished the domestic ones and then the foreign ones you have to fill out, you know, the sheet, the paper, every one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yawning. I'm sorry. I'm yawning thinking about it. But yeah, it <laughs> it takes me. And people say, oh, you made some money on that. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I said, I make no money. The manpower I put in, the timing, and poor Patrick. You know, Patrick, I work on like a dog. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, by the time we're done. But, but, 
I, then I have my own book, and it's owned by me and the crew that worked on it. And uh, yeah, it's 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 satisfying. Look, I, I can only do like one or two a year. You know, the one I'm working on now is Sex and Violence Three, and um, it's taking some time because I'm picky, mm-hmm. and um, and I have to get the campaign together just right when I launch. Otherwise, the launch fails. You know, have you had a have you had a launch fail? No, yeah. but I've had one where it almost didn't hit the number. It right. was um, it was the uh, oh god, I need to stand up and look at the book. That's how sad it is over here. <laughs> I can't, um, it was the uh, the kids one, um, Forager. Right. Um, one because I, people aren't used to me doing all ages, right? So and it looked little mature but it was actually an all-ages story but we just made it by the skin of skin of our teeth and i paid the team already yeah i paid the artists and everybody out of pocket right so i just needed to hit that amount and that was going to cover the postage and the uh you know and and the uh and the printing um the good part is eventually i sold it to amazon and amazon we did a deal with them and i made a couple of bucks and they have it out now in a different format Oh, Um, when you say you sold it to Amazon, you sold it to Amazon Publishing or? Yeah, Amazon Publishing, just the publisher. They don't own the rights to anything. They just own the publishing rights for a couple of years. That's great. How did you, how did, I mean, how did you, how did you swing that? They, uh, one of the guys that was on my Kickstarter worked there at Amazon and he loved it and he asked if we'd be interested in selling it to him. And I said, sure, show me the deal, you know. And the deal was just for publishing, and for my, I, you know, my brain, it was like uh, Justin and I were like, okay, the, that means more people read it. Yep. So why not? And the um, the Amazon version has a different cover. It's a slick book. The one we did has a uh, a beautiful Darwin Cook cover, and I wish I had more of them because people keep going to me. Oh, do you have any more? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> uh, you know, Darwin. Um, yeah, did a, a beautiful piece, but they went with a, a cover by the interior artist and and uh, Steve, and and uh, that was fine with me. I liked that they were different. Yeah, you know? right, right, right. And again, the people that got the uh, the Kickstarter one, well, that book's worth a couple of bucks. That's cool uh, for, for a dozen different reasons, and uh, and I never see them on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> that's my my thing. If I see them on eBay, I know nobody wants it. But I never see them on eBay, and that's a good sign. Ah, okay. So now, um, what other? I mean, have you? What other kind of distribution post Kickstarter distribution have you done with your books, like the like the Amazon publishing thing? Uh, have you have you had other kinds of hits like that, or other 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 uh, opportunities with the books? Um, you know, I've gotten offers. Um, the only ones I've taken are, you know, well, the image was for uh, Retrovirus and for Queen Crab, and. The only other ones I did is I did Sex and Violence in Denver. I only to a French publisher. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, they came out in hardcover collections. So Sex and Violence was one big book, and then Denver ha- had Denver, and then it had a Painkiller Jane story in the back to sort of round the pages out. But it was in French, and uh, it came out and did pretty well in France. And you know that's cool to do, you know, because then. Nobody gets offended, you know, because uh, I, I mean, I'd love to put out Sex and Violence one day as regular comics, mm-hmm. um, but I need to get I feel like I need to get four or five volumes done and then I can do it as a monthly. Right. You know, do it backwards. Right. And oh, then yeah, yeah. do stuff, um, you know, one day. Right. When I have time, time, <laughs> time, 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 time is our uh, time is our enemy. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, so I mean, clearly the 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 uh, the whole idea of doing of continuing to do Kickstarters appeals to you, and you're doing it. How, I mean, is it a thing that you think you'll do till the end of your career, or is it a? I mean, does it feel like a sustainable thing that that uh, like would five, 10 years from now, are you still going to be willing to do all the boxing up of the books and all that kind of stuff? Or you... I, I will say I'll stop it if for some reason I make a million dollars or a million. Remember we used to say a million dollars, that's a lot of money. <laughs> um, I will I will slow down mm-hmm. them. Um, I, I don't think I'm going to stop them. I love doing them. Um, and people like getting them. I mean, the, the one odd thing, the one wonderful thing is every time I meet people, it shows like, when is the next one? Yeah, that's cool. When are you doing your next Kickstarter? I can't wait to get it. I can't wait to get, you know, a lot of people like the prints and they like all the other stuff that comes with it. Um, a lot of them love the game, the idea that they're watching it to see if the book they backed did well. And, you know, I, I have to kind of, I, I think in a way I, I have to keep doing them because a lot of people do Kickstarters that don't deliver. Right. And, you know, they hurt, they hurt us all. You know these people; they hurt us all. Every every time somebody does one where they rip off everybody or they don't deliver, it hurts us. You know that, right? You right. know, because people look at it and go, "Oh, Kickstarter doesn't work," and so I'm always vigilant about that. Um, but no, I think I'll, I'll always do them unless I start doing something else. I I love doing them. I mean, I have two. I have one that you know is in the middle, sex and violence. I have another one, uh, a history one. Uh, that I'm working on, and um, and then I have a couple I want to do. One of them is a, I want to actually get the um, Creator Own Heroes books I did for uh, for Image, and put them into one big hardcover and oh, do it big yeah. starter. You know, so like I want to repackage it, but do some cool stuff with it. And um, so yeah, I, I have plans. You know, um, but you know, best laid plans, right? Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, I might get hit by a car this week, so we don't know, you know, um, (laughs) but you, you try to, you try to make plans and do things and look, I I think the worst part about being a creator or the best part is we always look for the next thing that we're going to do and there never is enough time. And then we realize, well, you know, five years has passed and all that stuff. So Kickstarter at least affords me an audience that I can keep delivering work to that'll keep judging whether it's good or not. And I've been growing the audience, so it's been each each book has more people, you know. Yeah. Um, so so ho- hopefully, you know, hopefully uh, it'd be nice to stop everything for everybody and just do them one day. Interesting. Now, now, yeah. when you first started doing the Kickstarters, you I, I'm just kind of curious, like what your set of experiences have been uh, to prepare you for it. I mean, had you ever. Uh, I, 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 you've done everything in comics. You've literally done everything in comics. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I thought I didn't color. Yeah. You know, I told somebody in an interview I, I didn't color, and then um, I got an email from a guy at Eternity Comics from when I first started, and he goes, what are you talking about? You colored all the covers for us. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I mean, so, so you, uh, had you already gone through the process of like working with a printing house and, and, uh, and, and, uh, and having stuff printed and had you already shipped out stuff before? Had you already, I, I, I know that you'd already edited and you'd already like kind of, you know, dealt with groups of artists and herded cats and all that kind of stuff to get a project done. But had you also had experience doing kind of that very practical Kickstarter specific kind of stuff of fulfillment and shipping and handling the printer and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, the, as far as handling printers with comics and stuff, I have the superpower of knowing when I'm not good at something and letting somebody that is good do it. 
So with my letterer, uh, Bill Tortellini, um, he kind of handled the production part. Oh, great. Because I didn't need to do that. I, I looked at the design, and I, you know, of course, I art directed everything. But as far as dealing with the printer, I let him do that because not enough hours in a day. He knows exactly what he's doing since he sets up books for Marvel and DC. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I let him handle all that. Um, it doesn't make sense for me to do it. Because there's just not enough time in the day, and and we're dealing with, we're dealing with professional as opposed to me who would be like, okay, how's that working, and why is that yellow plate that way, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and as far as the shipping, I went to the post office and I gave them packages that would be pretty much the same what I'm shipping, and got my course. And then I went to a supply place, not not just a you know, I went to a supply place that sells you know in uh, in bulk. Right. And I went and tried out, sampled out some products and, you know, how I can ship it and what the alternatives are and talk to the people there. And, you know, and then when I looked at the actual Kickstarter, I said, why would I want to back this Kickstarter? Like, what is it enough that the story is enough? And I realized, no, it's actually it's a store. So I figured, what can I offer them that they can't get anywhere? And I said, well, they can't get my time. Right. So that's one. They can't get these prints if I make them specially for the Kickstarter. So I've done exclusive prints for the Kickstarter. And then Skypes, and I did a thing called Mystery Package, which you pay like $150 and you get a box. Oh. You get, you get, the, you get the book, you get all the prints, and you get whatever I want to throw in that box. Wow. And, and uh, that's probably the most favorite thing people fight for. As soon as I do the Mystery Box, I list them, they're sold first. How many, and how many do you offer? I offer usually 10. Um, and what I do is I have 10 post office boxes, the, you know, the ones you can ship for one price. Yeah. And I lay, and I open them, pack them up, you know, open them up, and they're by my front door. And there's 10 in a row. And during the whole Kickstarter, anything I take home from cons, any weird thing I find, any oddball thing, I just throw them in different boxes. Oh. And at the end of the Kickstarter, I seal them up, put the books in, seal them up, and send them. I make sure there's much more worth what their money they're right. giving because that's the fun of it. That's the fun of it. But it's odd things. Sometimes it's T-shirts. Sometimes it's artwork. Sometimes it's, God, man, I, I, the stuff I put in it, CDs, and uh, I gave people, uh, oh, my God, like weird stuff. My, you know, albums of music I like and some books, some weird books. And uh, one guy, you know, I gave uh, a set of prints from Monara that I had, these little cards that he did. And, you know, odd things, but I fill them up, and when you get it, you don't know what the hell you're getting. And I, it's funny, I met a guy in, uh, I want to say Florida somewhere, one of the Florida shows, and he just said, he goes, it's my favorite thing. I don't know if you know, I'm, I get every mystery box. Goes, <laughs> it's, it's, it's my favorite thing. I've never been disappointed. He goes, he goes, there's such weird shit in there. I just laugh for like hours because it's just weird shit. And I said, I said, and he goes, one time you sent me a used shirt. And I, <laughs> And I said, oh, you got my, I said, that was my first Love and Rockets t-shirt I bought in San Diego Comic-Con in 2000, in, in, in uh, not 2001, 91. Oh, my oh. God. Or 92. And he goes, dude, he goes, it's my favorite work shirt. He, says, <laughs> he goes, it's so worn. He says, you can't, you know. And I'm like, ah, dude, I did that to wrap this other stuff. He goes, yeah, I figured that, you know. Um, so I do stuff like that, but you figure out, well, what, what do people want? You know, what, what do they want? Uh, what can't they get and just buy on the internet? And then again, with every Kickstarter, I do like a little personal note and I sign it 
to the person. So there's like, a, you know, there's an intimacy to it. Right. As well. And then, you know, we also push the website. So if people want to get my stuff, they can go to paperfilms.com and they can look what else we got. You know, look, it's only me, Justin, you know, Amanda, Frank Thierry, maybe a couple of guys, you know, Paul Mounts. So it's only the bunch of us, you know, and, and uh, so we're not some giant enterprise, but we figured if we're going to do this, we have to make it personal and cool yeah. and offer cool stuff. And so I treated it like a store. Cool. Like you're gonna like you're gonna go shopping. It goes beyond the book, you know. Yeah. Now, yeah. so when you when you when you did your first one and you were starting to get uh, uh, the word out and all of that, I'm I'm curious, um, sort of where you started and and uh, like how like were you did you have a newsletter already an email newsletter or did you just get out the word through Twitter and and uh, you know what what kind of social media did you use? I'm, I'm yeah, curious. I, I um, so for all of them, I I only used. Um, Twitter and Facebook, okay. and then, and then I pulled favors from all the sites that would um, support my comics. I said, if you want an exclusive story, I give you an exclusive page as art and an interview. Great. And um, so they seem to go for that. And every interview, you know, Bleeding Cool, Newsarama, CBR, The Beat, all that stuff, they would do a little piece on me, an interview, and I talk about it. They'd have different questions, and. Um, you know, look, I know it's a lot easier for me than somebody who's starting out, so I, I realize this. But I use my contacts, and um, for every article, I would get a couple of orders. You know, on Kickstarter, if you look, you check where the uh, yeah support. The other thing I did was um, I contacted Kickstarter right away when I was first, my first one. Mm -hmm. I contacted the people there, and I explained who I was. And I said, look, I want to do this. Any advice you have? And, and they were very nice. And when it was successful, I made friends with them. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, so they would ask me whenever I do one, let them know. They'll look at it. And, you know, I've been lucky to get like the spotlight a lot of times. Right, right, right. I earned the spotlight because every one of my Kickstarters delivered and people were happy. No complaints ever come in from my Kickstarters. And that helps you. You know, you don't see it, but it helps you. It gets you the spotlight or it gets you the pick part. And you find that maybe half of your business comes from people just randomly looking at Kickstarters. Right. And saying, oh, that looks pretty cool. Or it's featured on a page and they say, oh, why should I do this? And the other thing is I realized that if I was going to do this, I have to be somebody that supports other Kickstarters. Yeah. Okay. And I supported it load and I still do. You know, um, and people see that when people do Kickstarters, they send me their link and say, can you relink this? And I look and they haven't supported any. I have a nice conversation with them, <laughs> you know, um, saying I would love to help you, but you haven't supported anyone. Um, and I think this is important. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, I, I I was actually just looking. I, I saw you, uh, you you hit 155 projects that you've backed. I, I recently went I, I went past 100 uh, last year, and I was patting myself on the back, and then I saw you hit 155. But that's how yeah, you well, do it, man. You know, a lot of friends and yeah, um, weird stuff. Not always comics. I, I sometimes I uh, I backed the guy that made sweatshirts, you know, and I backed the guy. That made laser beam and uh you know i also look and if there's a comic i i like i back it i i don't know who the hell the people are but i don't care that looks like something cool i would buy so i back it yep um 
And music too. I, you know, I see the performer and I'm like, okay, they only need like three grand to get their CD done. Why? Well, that's awesome. I'm going to get a copy of the download of the music and hell, it's only costing me 10 bucks and I would pay that for that album anyway. So why not support them? Yeah. 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 You know? I, I, I've, I've done a, yeah, I've done all kinds of stuff. A lot of film projects because I came out of film originally. So right. basically, right. If, you know, at any time I know somebody, basically, I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost always backing it. You know what I mean? If, if I, that's, which actually brings me to a question because I realized, you know, I, I know that those videos are really important. Um, and I, I spent a lot of time making my Kickstarter video, you know, short and, to, and sweet and, and, and uh, to the point and, and, and to, to try to make it as good as I can. At the same time, I very seldom actually watch people's Kickstarter videos. I, I right. usually just, you know, if I see the thing, if I know the person, I'm just going to back it. But, um, but I'm just curious, like, what's your philosophy about Kickstarter videos and, and what, what's your advice regarding them? The, the first one I did had me talking and it was stupid. You know, I, I just, I can't even look at myself. So that's one thing. Um, so I realized that most people don't read them all the way through. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't, they don't, they don't follow them. You, you see how you could tell when they do. But I decided to do movie trailers, like a fake movie trailer. Right. Using the art on the book. And it serves two purposes. It shows the tone of the what the story that you're doing. So right away, people don't have to read so much on the bottom what it's about. They kind of get that from the little trailer I make. And I do it on a Mac, you know. It's easy to do. <laughs> and then uh, I put some music. And then I just say, you know, coming soon. And here's the title. And I throw a ton of art because I always have the book started ahead of time. <laughs> and these seem people watch them all the way to the end. Right. And they're they're what two minutes long or a minute? Yeah, two minutes, two minutes tops. Yeah, two two and a half minutes tops tops. Um, and I realized this gives people a, uh, an idea of what we're selling and what we're doing. And at the same time, it's easy because it's quick cuts and it's simple stuff. And then if they want to read more, then they read down. You know what? If they want to read about it. Um, but I find that this works better. I think that you sitting there talking. Mm -hmm doesn't really sell it that much as much as I would like to think it does. They want to see what they're buying. Right. They're not they're, they're sure they're buying us, but I think they want to see that, you know, and um, they want to see what they're getting. The worst Kickstarter is the ones that I can't stand are the ones that say I'm doing a book and then there's no art. Right. And I had a friend of mine who did a successful one only cuz she was popular, but it had no art. And it was just terrible Kickstarter and she made it and she said, "Well, we hit our goal." And I'm like, "Yeah, but if you had art, anything to look at you would have done double your business i said i it turned me off because i was like what am i looking at here yeah you know um what are you selling me and so it wasn't clear you know um so i make these little trailers and i make it look like a film or a, you know a, a little movie trailer and they're really simple to do if i can do them that means anyone can do them that's the rule <laughs> electronics if i can do it anybody can do it so do you use iMovie to do that yeah i use iMovie Gotcha. And uh, it's it, there's a lot of ton of programs, simple programs you can do. Make these little. All you do is drop images in. You drop a soundtrack. Pick a song that nobody knows or nobody owns, and then uh, and, or public domain, and then and then just put some lettering in, and that's it. And I find that these get watched all the way to the end. Right. All the way. And so where, the, where the talking ones don't. So you don't even put your you don't put your voice in there at all. Is what you're saying. No. 
Gotcha. All right. No. I mean, listen to my voice. Would you be buying something? Would you feel safe buying something? <laughs> Absolutely. <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm from New York, though. Well, I, I I grew up in Dallas, but I've been in New York for 20 years. So uh, yeah, so, yeah. I, I, I think the representation of what I put on the page is a lot infinitely a better salesman than than me talking about it. You know. That's a good um, You know, they look at they, people look at people and then they judge. Right. They can't help it. Yeah, it, that, it, it just cracks me up because to me, you've got such a great public persona. You know what I mean? Like I see you on panels, you're incredibly winning and, and just tons of fun. And, uh, you know, and I mean, you epitomize, you know, not to blow too much smoke up a certain place, but you, you kind of epitomize that Kickstarter ethos of, you know, cast your bread upon the water and share information and right. we're all in this together. It's not a zero sum game. We're just creators trying to do good stuff. And, and, uh, uh, and and you're very funny and open, and I, I would I would think that would translate incredibly well to uh, you know I, an actual. I, I, I think you know I, I think it's fine, and I, I guess you know for for panels it's great and everything, but I think a lot of people go on Kickstarter that aren't in the comic business that don't know who I am. Yeah, right. That that support it. So I think sometimes just the visuals, you know, it's like a movie trailer. You look at it and you go, I want to see that, or you go, I don't want to see that. Yeah, and. Um, that's how people do it. So if they see me talking, they might go, oh, who is this guy? Or, oh, that guy, he's, you know, whatever. They, they, they're going to make a judgment, right? Yeah, right. I think well, people, ju people judge things. I don't, know, I don't know how to explain it, but they do. No, you know? I hear you. Well, and the, other, the, other, the, the advantage that your, your, your system has is that you are not going to be judged on the basis of, like, sound quality not being what it should be or video quality not being what it should be. Uh, Right. Like you're, you're, you know, you're able to present the kind of the, the, your digitally created comics art in its purest form. You know what I mean? And it's just going to look great. Right. And they, they're, they're, they're looking at what they're buying. And then if they scroll down, they'll see some interior pages and they keep scrolling. They'll see the prints I'm offering, you know, because it's a store. So you have to, and nobody hides products behind the counter. You have to put the stuff on the counter yep. so people can order it. Gotcha. Now, l let me go back to the social media thing again real quick. How, what's your guess, and you may not even remember, but like, how many followers did you have on Twitter when you launched your first campaign? I think I had like around six thousand, five, six thousand. Gotcha. And you're what are you up to now? You've got a lot, right? I, I think it's. I don't know. I have maybe forty. I don't know. Maybe gotcha. I have no idea. See, I mean, the other thing that's interesting to me about that is that I kind of feel like that Kickstarter is also. One of the advantages of Kickstarter that people don't always talk about as much, it's not just about making this project, it's about building an audience that's going to support you on future things as well. It's like there's a, there's a multiplier effect, you know, like you do a Kickstarter project, people talk about it, um, they're not, and, and you'll get more followers as a result, right? You know what I mean? It's like... Well, yeah, no, no, if I was an actor, I would have 100,000, 300,000 or a million followers because we're in comics... Whatever I have is pretty decent number. Oh no, it's yeah, yeah. You know? But what I'm saying though is that, like, I, I'm curious. Do you think that you would have that Kickstarter has added to your social media follow? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, look, I, I, you know, I, I, the, the one Kickstarter that I hired a PR person, and he's a buddy, mm -hmm. was for Denver, because I told him I said I need to get press outside of comics from this one because I'm putting a soundtrack. You know, I have an actual soundtrack made. Cool. Um, and I need press outside of comics. And he helped me with that. And all of a sudden, I'm being, I'm being interviewed in New York Times. I'm being interviewed in all these places. 
and they all have a link to the Kickstarter, uh -huh. you know? Now, it doesn't mean a ton of people went there and looked for it, but it put my name out there some more, you know? And every, everything you do in this business is about getting your name out. Look, I, I had nothing to do with the Suicide Squad movie, mm -hmm. per se, you know? Um, they based the Harley on the Harley we do, you know? She had the same kind of, you know, based on the one we do. But it wasn't like I wrote the movie or anything, but I got so much press on that movie. I mean, I, New York Times, LA Times, articles, int you know, interviews, all that kind of stuff. And that stuff's priceless because it sort of just puts you out there. Every time you do something, it puts you out there. And it makes when I'm going someplace a little easier. Um, I remember Amanda left her. Uh, I lost Amanda's ID when we were at the airport. Oh, no. It was my fault. It was my fault because... We had to stay overnight in a hotel, and I lost her license. And we went up to the uh, the gate, and I said, we don't have our ID for her. I said, but if you – the guy had a computer. I said, if you Google her name, though, and the guy goes, let me do it. And he Google her name. There's her face. There's a million articles on her. Right. And the guy goes, oh, that's cool, man. Yeah, you guys go, go right in. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And um, so it's not necessarily the, the, the fame that people think. You know, people think, oh, if you're famous, you know. Uh, you get all this stuff. You don't get stuff. What you do is randomly you get a beer in a bar from somebody that's a fan and you go talk <laughs> to them and hang out. Um, but all this stuff helps sell everything. Right. So, um, you know, so and it's and it gives you power, you know, a little power because you can get some press. If you if you make, you know, if you I try to keep my social media positive, meaning I don't say negative things about people. Same, same. Unless it's Donald Trump, then I can pick on him all <laughs> Um, but other than that, I don't do that. So, um, so I'm approachable by everybody because they know they don't have to worry. And I don't talk about my job publicly. Hmm. Um, people get in arguments with editors or they complain about books or companies. I never do that because um, I feel it's cowardly. Um, I, I feel it's really cowardly and it shows a weakness. When somebody leaves a company and complains that they did this to that – or that to them. To me, it shows a weakness. It shows that you can't confront the person themselves and work it out. And right. it's a very weak thing. So when people do that, I, I lose, they lose points with me as far as creators. And right. they do. I see creators go online all the time. This company screwed me, this and that. And I'm like, well, who are you saying that to? Are you saying it to the company? Are you doing something about it? You know, I understand this frustration, but Publicly dissing people you work with, I think, is uh, is uh, I don't I just don't approve of it. I, people do it all the time, and that's their choice. But I'm not going to make a career being known as the guy that complained about this company. There's one or two guys, and I love them, that when I'll never work for Marvel again, I'll never work for DC again, and then like five years later they're working for Marvel. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna yell that out loud, then be prepared to stick by it. Otherwise, it shows you have a weak constitution. Uh, weakness, sad. Yes, but uh, well, you know, we're all weak, but uh, but you know. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, I, I, I and I don't know if you've done this publicly, so I don't. No, I, no, no, I'm no. Not I'm, not, I'm, I'm of your. I'm of the same opinion. You know what I mean? I, I just, I, I don't see the upside. Um, there is no, there yeah. is no upside. There is no upside. Um, people that get things out of bullying, sometimes it's almost like bullying. They get stuff out of it. It's not satisfying. I got to tell you, if I have a problem with anything. I usually just call up my editor, and if he, I have a problem with him, I go to hit over his head and say, look, I have a problem here, and how are we going to resolve this? Yep. And as um, the people I work with say, if, if I'm calling 
and have a problem, that means something's really wrong. That it's not me crying wolf. It's me actually having an actual problem because right. I, because I usually work out what I do, and and that's that's how I deal with people. If I have a problem with them, I tell them to their face. I wait till I see them. I think it's more satisfying because I don't think people are used to being confronted, and I also don't think that people know how to re- how to react sometimes, so they don't realize what they did. Yeah, well, that yeah, there's often that kind of a thing. People are not exactly aware of what it is that they've done that is uh, messed things up for other people, and if they're yeah. you know if you give them a, a chance, lots of times people will come through. Um, yeah. You still may never want to work with those folks again, but that doesn't mean that, you know, it, it's also, so much of it is also just personal. I feel, I mean, it's, it's not, not personal in a vindictive way, but just like, it's like sometimes you're on a book that just, uh, that may not, that where, where the folks who are working together may just have different ideas. Um, you know, and it's, and, and, uh, Oh, I, I talk all the time about once in a while people ask me, what do you think of countdown? And I said, I, I didn't like doing countdown. Mm-hmm. because I felt like the story wasn't worked out ahead of time, and I felt like we were just kind of shuffling things around to get through it. I'm proud of the work that was done on it, but I just wouldn't do a big book like that again because I don't like working with a crew of people right. uh, on a comic book. A TV show, fine. Anything else, fine. On a comic book, I, if there's no alpha person in the room, um, then I get really – I can't work. I can't work well. And if I'm the alpha person in the room and I'm not stepping up, that means it's going to fall apart a little bit. So. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Um, uh, tell me a little bit more about the uh, the press guy that you hired or your experience hiring a, a press person. For- so he, yeah, he was a former. He used to work at DC. Great guy. I don't know if I want, he wants his name out there, right, but right. Um, he had contacts in everywhere in the world. And I hired him. I worked in the budget. We worked out an amount he would charge me for the campaign. We worked out a budget, and I worked it into my Kickstarter, and um, into the price of the Kickstarter. It wasn't that much money, right? Um, but by the time we were done, he got me over two hundred interviews. Wow! In different places, you, you pla- sat you sat down, and you did two hundred interviews. I did some. We would do do like phone. Thing. I'd be on the phone. It'd be one view interview after the other, after the other, after the other. Oh my God. I did some question ones. Uh, yeah, I did around two hundred total. Some were with my guys, so some were with my artists, some were with my the guy who did the music. But at the end of the campaign, he sent me a list of everything we did, and I'm like, Jesus, that was amazing, and he was worth every dime. But it was for that campaign. Now, the next one I did, I didn't need him. Right. Because I felt like this wasn't one that I was going to sell hard to the public, which was Sex and Violence 2. I said, it doesn't need it, because that once I do the Sex and Violence books, everyone wants them. Mm-hmm. It might have something to do with the title. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Sex and Violence, it's really, you know, it's such a basic name that you would think somebody obviously did it already. And then when I looked it up, I'm like, nobody ever did a book called Sex and Violence. <laughs> you know, they did Sex and Violins, right? George Perez right. Uh, and Peter David, but they didn't do Sex and Violence. And I'm like, okay. And I said, you know, it's a good banner for adult comics, you so, know? Uh, here's a question about the adult comics thing. Do you worry about, like, do you have to do any kind of uh, checking to make sure that people are a certain age before you mail that stuff out or, or you sell it? Or is that is that even a, if people have a credit card, do you just assume that it's it's yes. uh, legit? Yeah, I don't do any research. If they're buying it, I tell them in the in the thing that it's, you know, adults. Right. Only, so I'm guessing adults are buying it. That's right, all. Right, right. If some 12-year-olds got it, 
um, it's really not going to be anything too hardcore that they haven't seen before. Right. One search on the internet and all that shit's broken, you know? <laughs> so, um, so there was nothing there. But I, no, I haven't had any... I haven't had kids really do the Kickstarters. It's mostly people 18 and older. Yeah, I mean, I think that's... I have no idea, but I've never had a kid come up to me and say, I backed your Kickstarter. It's always uh, it's always adults. Right. Um, yeah. uh, Kickstarter may even have, I mean, it may be even when people sign up for Kickstarter, you have to uh, affirm you're a certain age. I don't remember what their rules are. Right, right. Um, so uh, I, I'm just looking at the thing. So Denver is your, your, your uh, that's, you've got the highest, the largest number of backers for Denver of yes. all of your projects. So, I mean, do you ever see yourself uh, pulling on a publicist again or? or... If, the, if it's the right project, right. if I'm writing something that has a media, a multimedia appeal, yep. um, then yes. Um, I don't see it with Sex and Violence 3. And I don't see it with the next one I have, which is a historic one. So I don't see it with those. Um, I thought Denver had an appeal because it had the music. Uh, it was a statement about um, the idea that, you know, um, the the water levels were rising, has everything to do with the book. And um, so it had different media attention things that, you know, I thought would be pretty good for uh, um, stories. Right. And I was right, you know. David, David just said, you know, yeah, this, this, I can, I can go out there and sell this. Gotcha. I'm like, okay, so, so, yeah, it's not for everything. If it was a any of the other books, I'd be like, nah, it's not really. I don't, they, I don't need them. But like I said, he was worth every dime. Gotcha. So, what do you? Uh, I we're 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 getting close to the end of our. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but here are a few kind of. Uh, few few uh, uh, quick questions for the end. What what do you see was What's the biggest challenge you had to overcome in doing a Kickstarter? In uh, figuring out figuring out the time it would take to, to, to do them, figuring out the printing, where I wanted to get them print and how I wanted them to print, and then just dealing with the shipping each and every time. It's a lot of work, and um, it's a lot of coordination. Gotcha. But, but we've gotten better. What's your What's your biggest uh, or what What's a What's a Saki piece of advice? What's a, What's a for somebody uh, doing it for the first time? What's your sure, biggest? Sure. Don't of uh, ship prints. If you're going to do prints with your book, make them the size of the book so they fit inside the book. Make them a tiny bit smaller. Yep. So you don't have to put extra cardboard or extra packing. Don't offer T-shirts or glasses or shot glasses or anything that can break. Or anything that needs special packing, understand the space of your package mm -hmm. and keep the weight down. And as much as you can, offer as many cool digital rewards as you can because they're easy to, to do. So if you, even if your digital reward is, um, you know, your book plus another book you did in the past, try to make as many digital rewards you can. Or sometimes I do if you want the original script with the book or... Or as I do, like sometimes I do the Skype, so I offer a Skype session. Things that are easy that you can do without having to deliver packages is always the best thing. Gotcha. And uh, what's the biggest mistake you've ever made on a Kickstarter? Hmm. Um, mistake. <laughs> um, I guess just underestimating how many people in Europe and all over the world would actually order this stuff. Uh, I didn't think because the, the, it's very expensive to ship to like New Zealand and stuff like that. So as I've gotten with the newer ones, I do less and less of that. 
Gotcha. I, I, I limit the countries because some of the countries, the packages cost you $25 instead of a $20 book. Right. So, you know, so how does that help anybody? Um, okay. And then here's, uh, here's one last one. Um, I know you, both of us came into Kickstarters after we'd already done uh, quite a lot of stuff in comics. Um, do you have any, so, it, you know, sometimes it's hard for us to give advice to folks who are coming in from, uh, from, the, from uh, the beginning of their careers. Right. But do you have any advice for folks who are starting out from the very beginning and are thinking about Kickstarters? Yeah, I would say, I would say build up your um, social media presence on Twitter, Facebook, anywhere you can, Instagram. Build it up. Um, make sure everyone that you ever met, every family member you ever deal with, backs your Kickstarter. Yep. Make sure family, friends, it's very important. And then what I like to do, let's say you're doing a book about horses, then go online and go to every kind of horse site, every kind of Twitter feed that's about horses and make sure your book is listed with them. You know, find the theme in your book and look for that audience. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Um, anything you want to add? Any other any other key bits of advice or any thoughts about yeah. Kickstarter? Yeah, be nice. Make sure um, when people tell you they lost their packages, make sure you print a lot of extras. Mm -hmm. Make sure your shipping's in order and you you keep track of everything and every package. So when people tell you they didn't get it, you can say, actually, you did get it or I sent it twice. And what the hell? You know, um, <laughs> You know, we have those once in a while. And um, have you ever not sent somebody something when they when they ask for it? Uh, no, I always I always take care of people. Yeah, me too. It's like, I don't even. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I if they tell me it's damaged, I tell them to send me a photo. Oh, okay, gotcha. A photo, because I I can't just take their word on it, because some people oh it's damaged I need another one. You know, um, most people are trustworthy, so I don't really worry too much. But um, yeah, just you have to be the best. Uh, customer service on earth. Yep. And um, go above and beyond what your Kickstarter is. When people really back you, do the extra, go the extra mile with them. These are customers you're going to have for a long time, so treat them like gold. That's, that's the best advice I can give. Awesome. Fantastic, Jimmy. Thank you so much, man. Hi, Greg, man. You know, just uh, like I said, you know, this was fun. I, I, I wish you luck with everything, buddy. I, I'll probably see you in New York. Yep. I'll, I'll definitely be there. And that's it for today's podcast. We'll be back soon with another interview. In the meantime, feel free to check out kickstarter-secrets.com and look for Jimmy online at jpalmiotti on Twitter and at paperfilms.com. Thank you so much for listening and see you next time. Information in this podcast was provided for educational purposes only. Pac-Man Productions does not guarantee or warrant the accuracy, appropriateness, completeness, safety, or usefulness of any information. In particular, nothing in this podcast should be taken as legal advice or legal opinion. Users are always advised to consult with a lawyer regarding any legal question. The opinions expressed by interviewees are theirs alone and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Greg Pac or Pac-Man Productions. All content, copyright 2016, Pac-Man Productions. Music composed and performed by David Libby. DavidLibby.net, D-A-V-I-D-L-I-B-B-Y. Dot net.